just say my husband would never do that. <laughs> anyway, um, but in looking for a speaker, I'm going, I don't know. You know, what do I do? And I, I have a few resources, as you probably can figure out, but um, just somebody, something wasn't clicking, and I was just searching on the Internet. Happened upon her, her web page, and I saw that she had written a book called Clothes and Righteousness, and I'm going, okay, and she had a wedding dress. I'm going, you know, you know me. I love wedding dresses. So, you know, I cued in on that, and I went, oh. Okay, this has potential, you know. And so I, I listened to her studies, and I went, oh, she's perfect. She is perfect. So I am very blessed that she said yes. And uh, she's a, uh, a wife and a mother and a grandmother. One soon, very soon, any day now, she's going to have a new grandbaby, a boy, as I understand it. So, you know, I'm thankful the boy didn't come today, you know, because that would be very hard for a grandma. Um, but uh, she did write a book called Clothes in Righteousness, and we are very blessed to have Sherry Frasanke. Thank you. When I was driving up here, I thought, I hope I don't have my old shoes on. <laughs> I had to look. Good, I put the new ones on. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you're running out the door and you're just like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. Well, let's pray again. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory for everything that you want to do here today. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful day. We thank you for the beautiful decorations and everyone that did such a hard work just to um, let each woman know how much they are loved by you. And, Lord, that's what their heart's desires were, that every time a woman would walk in the doors today, that she would feel your love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just fill this room with your Holy Spirit because your word does say that you are our husband, you are our maker. And so, Lord, I pray that you prepare each of our hearts, our minds, our everything to listen to what you want to speak to us today, because we are the bride of Christ. And this word that you have given us is the greatest love story in all of history, and you preserved it for us. And so, Lord, I pray that each woman would receive from you today, no matter what she's gone through, no matter where she's been, no matter what's going on, maybe not even matter what hurts she has and what walls she might have built, Lord. I pray that any walls would come down today and that she would realize how much that she is loved by you. So we thank you. We praise you. I ask that you go before every word. May it be from you. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, Ephesians chapter 4. My daughter is due any day. She started having a lot of contractions at the beginning of the week, and I'm like, you just can't have them on Saturday, okay? (laughs) No baby on Saturday. (laughs) So she texted me yesterday. Her her son's name's going to be Aaron, and she goes, okay, Aaron and I had a conversation, and we talked about this last night, and I told him he can't come till Tuesday. (laughs) She's not ready for him till Tuesday. She's not due till the 19th, so... Okay, so as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, I have a question for you. How many of you enjoy curling up by the fireplace 
on a cold winter day. I guess it gets pretty cold up here, huh? With a good book. Do you love good books? I love good books. And how many times is that good book a love story? Don't we as women just love love stories? I know I do. Or what about movies? When you're going to watch a movie, I like to watch movies. That helps me with my downtime. You know, sometimes I'll just keep going. So if I turn on a movie, it will help me to sit still for two hours. And so, you know, I always want the love stories. My husband wants those, you know, weird sci-fi movies that I'm like, doesn't even make sense, okay? Because I just can't, it's like not interesting to me because it can't really happen, you know? And so he's like, oh, but it's the cool technical stuff, you know? But we women, we usually love the love stories, right? And the sci-fi movie's okay if it has an element of a love story in it, right? <laughs> so how many of us love love stories? As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to encourage you. There was a time that the Apostle Paul was getting ready to give his defense in front of King Agrippa. And he said to him in Acts 26.3, you don't have to turn there, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And I know that it's early and some of you may have like run to get here and maybe there's just craziness all week. I know for me the last month's just been crazy and maybe it was a struggle to get here. But I want to encourage you to listen to this message, especially this message this morning. I'm going to be going over a lot of um wedding traditions of, of um, the Hebrew people, but I don't want to lose you because within the tradition, it parallels God's word and it's the most amazing thing. And so I join with Apostle Paul when he says, I beg you to listen to me patiently because this message is powerful and it's going to set the foundation for your day retreat. I love that. It's so much better than a seminar or a, or a conference. I really like the day retreat. It sounds like we're going to the spa, huh? <laughs> we're having a day retreat. <laughs> and so what's so wonderful about this foundation I want to set this morning is it's a love story, and it's a love story about you. It's a love story about you, not you as a group, you individually, you. And so please don't tune me out. Please don't miss, and miss what I'm saying. So Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 17, it says, Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. How sad. And so Paul here is encouraging us not to walk in this manner anymore. It goes on in verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belonged to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds 
and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so that's um, our theme for this morning is this passage for this particular session, not for all of our sessions, but for this session, it's to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness because we are the bride of Christ. And it doesn't matter your marital status, whether you're single. My sister got married at 16, by the way. So young ones still get married wherever the 15-year-old is. <laughs> Hopefully she won't marry that young. I'm glad my girl's married in their 20s. I have two daughters. They're um, 27 and 28. They got married three weeks apart. I called it the summer of weddings. <laughs> But it was so fun. But just as a bride gets prepared for her wedding, right, God wants us to be prepared for him, for our bridegroom to come. And so it says to put on the new self, to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so looking back at verse 17, in the NIV it says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. We see that the people of Paul's days, the ones that he was writing to, they were foolish. And as I think of that, of them being foolish, there's another passage that I want to look at this morning, and it's in Matthew 25. So turn to the left a little bit to Matthew 25, because there we have a story about the ten virgins. And in this story, we're going to see that five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And if God's calling us to be wise in our life, it's good to learn from his work word, excuse me, of how we can be wise. So Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here comes the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose, virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. I love that. This isn't part of the story today, but don't you love how they said no? Sometimes, as Christians, we think we have to give everything away that people ask for, right? We think, oh, if somebody said, can I have this? Oh, maybe we better give it. Can I have some money? Oh, maybe we're supposed to give it. But, you know, we're not to enable bad behavior. And so I love here that here's an example where they said no, and they were right where God wanted them to be. And so they were the wise ones. So sometimes we need to pray and ask the Lord, are we to give or are we not to give? I just love that part, and I love to point that out. Okay, but it says, the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. 
Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so I want to talk about the greatest love story, the most beautiful love story in all of history, because you see the best part of it is it's about you. That's the best part. And Jesus said, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. So which are you? Would you classify in your heart that you are foolish or are you wise? How are you living each day right now? And before you really answer that, perhaps you need to understand more about what Jesus is really saying here. You see, Jesus loved to teach with word pictures. That was his favorite way to teach. And to understand this picture, it's good to understand the Jewish wedding traditions of his day because woven within this tradition is the most beautiful love story in all of history, the one that involves you. And so first, the Jews were... God's chosen people, just as you are chosen. Do you know that you were chosen by him? You were chosen by him. You were chosen to be the child of the king of kings. Can you imagine that? That you are royalty? You are the daughter of the king of kings? In fact, the love that God has for you is so deep that he chose you and set you apart from all the other people that he created. The moment that you accepted his son, you were adopted into his family. And adoption is an act of love. In fact, in Roman history, during the time that Jesus walked this land as a man, adoption was considered an act of love, an act of love by law. Can you believe that? Isn't that cool? Now, the paradox is this. Though he chose you to be his child... And desired you to accept his son. The love that God the Father has for you is so great that he gave you the choice. Isn't that amazing? He loves you so much that he's not going to force you to accept his son. He's not going to force you to walk the walk that he desires you to walk. He loves you so much. He gives you the choice. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And so it was at that precious moment that you became his child, that he became your father. Interestingly, he is now both your father and Jesus Christ's father. Isn't that interesting? Now, the father of the groom back in Jesus' day... In fact, all the way back to the beginning of time, it was typical for the father of the groom to pick his bride, the bride for his son. Could you imagine? Could you imagine your future son-in-law picking you for his son? I mean, it would be like, oh my goodness, that could be really crazy, couldn't it? Well, this is still true today, for it was God the Father who chose you to be his son's bride. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
And so it was God the Father who chose you to be his son's bride, all because you are so precious. Now, this custom of the father finding a bride for his son dates back to the beginning of time. God the Father cares for you so deeply that even in the beginning, he was orchestrating events of history to prepare you to become his son's bride. See, God the Father is outside of time, and so he orchestrated everything. In fact, you're so special that this tradition dates back to the first wedding in history. Since there was no suitable helper found for Adam, God the Father created Eve for Adam, and in Genesis 2.22, it says that he brought her to the man. And so it was God the Father who brought Adam to Eve. Isn't that interesting? And it was all a setup. It was all a setup. So as you read God's word, and as you start putting God's word together, you start seeing a wonderful picture of love woven within every page of the Bible. It's a love story. It's a love story about you. And I encourage you, if you haven't been reading God's word, maybe you've opened it up and it seems so boring. I know it used to seem that way for me. Just keep going through it. Just keep looking for that bits, the little bits of love, those golden nuggets that God wants to speak to you. Because this truly is the greatest love story in all of history. And you can learn throughout the word that many times it was the father who found wives for their sons. And all of this happened to give you a picture to make the story come alive for you. You see, you were chosen by the father for the son. But you know what's so amazing also is the son chose you as well. Not only the father chose you, but the son chose you. And this is another wonderful truth of love to ponder in the depths of your heart. It was not only the father, but it was Jesus Christ himself who chose you to be his bride. Jesus said in John 15:16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Are you beginning to grasp the depth of love that both the father and the son has for you? Now, once the father chose the bride, um, the bride for the bridegroom, then the bridegroom would travel from his father's house to the home of his intended bride. And this is true still for you today. Jesus left his father's house in heaven to come to earth to meet with us, his bride. And throughout the Bible, any who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're considered the bride of Christ. God's word teaches that. And Jesus came to earth to our home because it was the only way for him to prove the depth of his love for you. John 1, 1 and 1, 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's amazing love. Amazing love for you and amazing love for me. Now, upon the arrival of the bridegroom, the father of the bride would negotiate a price that must be paid for his daughter. This custom still to this day is called the bride price. 
And there's stories that you can find in the Old Testament where a man would pay a bride price for his bride. And perhaps the most famous one is the story of Jacob and Rachel. And Jacob loved Rachel so deeply that he worked 14 years to wed her. And you can read that story in Genesis 29 if you want. And there's many impressive true love stories that are found throughout history. But the greatest love story ever told was about you. The greatest bride price that was ever paid was for you. Remember that from the moment of your adoption, God the Father negotiated the greatest bride price in all of history to pay to be paid. And because of the depth of love that he has for you, the bridegroom has for you, he literally gave up everything because he gave up his life to pay for you. Amazing love. That the price he paid was the shedding of his blood on a hillside called Calvary. First Peter 1, 18-19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That was the price that was paid for you. I believe that God orchestrated events and even Jewish wedding traditions of old so that you will come to understand the depth of love that he has for you. He wants you to understand how much he loves you. He wants you to grasp how wide and deep and long and high is the love of Christ. For those are the dimensions of the cross. And he wants you to ponder this love that surpasses all understanding. Now, I want to take a break for a moment from our Jewish wedding traditions to talk from the heart. Remember in our passage, five were foolish and five were wise. Which are are you? God's word says in Psalms 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Have you ever read that? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Are you one who has been saying there is no God? Do you understand the depth of love that God has for you, even though you may have denied him? You see, Jesus Christ willingly walked to the cross to pay the largest bride price in all of history out of love for you. He was arrested. He was beat. He was beat beyond recognition. Do you know that when Pilate said, behold the man, it was a mockery because Jesus didn't even look like a man. He was beat up beyond recognition. When we look at pictures of Jesus on the cross with the crown of thorns and maybe a little blood trickling down his face, that's not the Bible. Do you understand that? His face was beat up so bad that he didn't even look like a man. And when Pilate said, behold the man, it was a joke. That's how much he loved you. Yet he willingly went to the cross with you on his mind. He could have stopped it. When they came to arrest him, right, and, they, and Jesus, Jesus walked out to them and said, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. When he said, I am, in the original language, it was ego emi. He was, it was a declaration of deity. He was claiming to be God because he was God. And do you know that at that moment, all the soldiers fell down? I think there were 600 of them. They all fell down, not like as a bow. They were blown away and fell down by the 
sheer power of Jesus' words. He was not arrested against his will. He went willingly. He took every step to the cross, knowing what it was going to cost him. And he did it for you. He did it for me. You were on his mind. Why? Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each one of us in this room, myself is included, is a sinner. All of us have blown it in our life. And according to God's word, God's word says that the penalty for sin is death. And so each one of us, we deserve eternal death for not living our lives the way that God wanted us to live our lives. And so somebody had to die to pay that price. And it was Jesus Christ, the only spotless lamb, the only man who was without sin. He willingly went to the cross because he knew it was the only way to save you. He knew it was the only way that you would not suffer eternal separation from God the Father was by him taking and paying the greatest bride price in all of history. And so there was a price to be paid for the debt of sin. And on our own, we are unable to pay that price. Having broken God's law, we are bankrupt. But your bridegroom paid the price when he died on the cross for you. That's what it means when Jesus said to Telestai. When he said that, it is finished. He was saying it's done. It's forever finished. Even if you keep continuing to blow it, you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he did it for you. And so I want to ask, have you been foolish? Have you denied Christ? If, if you have, change today. Don't leave this room without accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Speak to Connie or speak to me or speak to one of the leaders in this room and accept him. And maybe you've accepted him. Maybe you're somebody who's, who, who loves the Lord. But have you still been making foolish choices for your life? And if you have, I want to encourage you today to change, to start making wise choices. We're going to talk about that more later today and how we can do that. So back to our marriage covenant. The next thing is, the moment that all of this took place in the Jewish traditions, wedding traditions, they entered into a marriage covenant. And once the bride price was paid, the marriage covenant began, and the groom gave gifts to his bride. And from the moment the bride price was paid, the man and the woman were regarded as husbands and wives, even though the marriage was not yet consummated. And we see that with Joseph and Mary, don't we? When we look at the story of Jesus, most people know about the birth of Jesus Christ and how Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. Well, they had entered into the marriage covenant. And so even though they hadn't had relationships yet, this they were considered man and wife. And it's the same for you and I. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have entered into a marriage covenant with him. And we are his bride. Now, at that moment, gifts were given. The bridegroom would give gifts to his bride, gifts of clothing and gifts of precious jewels. And this is the same today. Do you guys like gifts? Most women like gifts. Look at those gifts for you today. Are you wondering what's in there? (laughs) Are you waiting? How many of you spotted that earlier? (laughs) 
You see, some of the gifts that God has given us, okay, this is so great because the bridegroom would give gifts of clothing and precious jewels. But you see, God the Father is holy, and he cannot look upon sin. Yet, the moment that you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are covered by Christ's righteousness. We are clothed in righteousness. And so God the Father in heaven, who's holy, can now look down upon us because he's not seen us and our sinful behavior. He's seen that we are clothed in righteousness. Is that amazing? That's why in the book, Clothed in Righteousness, I had to put a bride on the cover in her fine linen. And maybe later we'll put some of those books out, The Bride's Dress. It's beautiful. Look at it. It's actually my daughter's dress. But um, it's just amazing. So the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you received the wonderful gift of being clothed in righteousness. You were dressed in fine linen so that God the Father can look upon you in love. Just amazing. Now, the moment, there's other gifts given too. Just read the book of Ephesians. Oh my goodness, the riches that are bestowed upon you because of who you are in Christ. And I could get into the jewels, but that's a whole other study. It's just amazing. But, but these gifts are all given to you. I'm just giving you little bits, even though it seems like I'm giving you so much information in this first session. You're just getting a little bit. May I challenge you to read the depth of this love found in his word. So the moment that all this took place, there would be a blessing that would be proclaimed. And a blessing was proclaimed to the Jewish bride, just as you too are blessed. In fact, Ephesians 1.3 says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And it's important to learn the truth of who you are in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that later on this afternoon so that you can walk in wisdom. If you understand who you are in Christ, you can make wise decisions for your life. And then you get to the place where your life has true meaning and purpose. Do you feel as if your life has meaning and purpose? Or are you wondering, why were you given life? Are you going, is this all that life is about? You know, God never desired that for you. He has a call on your life. He has a job that you're to be busy about. And the moment you discover that, your life will be filled with true fulfillment and contentment, no matter what's taking place. No matter what's taking place. It doesn't mean that the trials go away. It doesn't mean that the hardship doesn't go away. But you can feel, find this peace and contentment that surpasses all understanding in the midst of no matter what's taking place. And after the blessing, the bride and groom would drink from the cup over the blessing and celebrate the engagement with a feast. And your bridegroom, Jesus, symbolizes this marriage covenant. He symbolized it during um, the Last Supper, the Passover Supper with his disciples. And you share in the partaking of the Last Supper every time you take communion in remembrance of him. In 1 Corinthians 11.25, it says, um, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so Jesus was talking about that blessing that has been proclaimed. In remembrance of the marriage covenant that you entered into with him, knowing that you are set apart for him. 
knowing that you are blessed during this time of waiting for his return, knowing that there's work he has for you to do during this time of work uh, waiting. And we're going to talk about that later today. Now, after all of this, the bridegroom would go to prepare a place for his bride. And this is the part I find most interesting. And, and we find it in Matthew when we read about the ten virgins that they were waiting. They were waiting for the bridegroom because, see, the bridegroom went to prepare a place for his bride. And the bridegroom would leave the home of his bride and return to his father's house. This was tradition. And during the time apart, the bridegroom would prepare a place for his bride and him to live. And then, this is so strange to me, it was the father's decision When the bridegroom could go get his bride. Could you imagine? Here you're waiting to get married. Your future father-in-law picked you out for his son, which seems strange. And then your bridegroom leaves. You have no idea when the wedding's going to be, right? Because you're waiting for your future father-in-law to tell his son, okay, you can go get her, her now. Can you imagine? So the bride had to be ready at all moments. She had to be prepared for this bridegroom to come. He could come in a week. He could come in a month. He could come in a year. He could come in two years. Could you imagine? And would you get tired of waiting? Well, it's still true today. Your bridegroom ascended back to the father after paying the bride price. And at this moment, he is preparing a place for you. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And I often wonder what it will be like. Have you ever wondered what it will be like? How beautiful it must be? We can only imagine. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine, ladies. It's beyond imagination. And then, this was just amazing. When the bride least expected... The bridegroom would come for her. And when he would do this, the Jewish wedding traditions of old, he would come with a whole procession. This is what the ten virgins in Matthew 25 were waiting for. They were waiting for him to come, and they knew they should have been ready, but five of them weren't. And so at the appointed time, chosen by the father, the groom was finally allowed to take his bride. And the groom and his men would prepare for this exciting moment. Imagine what it must have felt like. From the different stories of the Bible, we can learn a little bit of what it was like. They would put on festive clothes, and they would place a crown on the groom's head. And then everyone, his groom, his men, his family, his friends, they would all go to surprise the bride. And they would have a band of musicians and singers who would join them as they would travel to the home of the bride. And imagine the joy that they felt at that moment. As the groom drew nearer to her house, he 
would give a loud shout of his arrival. And although the bride expected her bridegroom, she never knew the day or the hour. So the bride and her maids must always be ready and always be prepared. They needed to have their dresses ready, their makeup. Their, the moment they heard the music far off, they needed to start getting dressed and everything. And, you know, in Bulgaria, I'm a missionary in Bulgaria. We're moving back there in January. I'll tell you probably more about Bulgaria over the day. Um, but in Bulgaria, when a couple gets married, it's so amazing. Their wedding traditions are a bit different than ours. And when a couple gets married, they don't have a best man and a maid of honor. Instead, they have a best couple. And what you are, if you're a best couple, you're like godparents to their marriage. And it's a married couple, and you're making a commitment for life. You become part of their family, actually. And so a young couple asked my husband and I if we would be their best couple. And so we, we, when we learned the tradition and everything, we said we really have to pray about it because we're going to take this serious. We'll be best couple to you for the rest of your life, you know. And so anyhow, we ended up being their best couple. And what was so cool was a lot of the Bulgarian wedding traditions follow this. There was a bride price that had to be paid. It was just so interesting. And so anyhow, when we were getting ready for the day of the wedding, um, the groom came and got us. There was a whole procession. And he had his family with him. He had his brother. He had all these people with him. They came. They picked up my husband and I. And we all went to the bride's house. And then we had to knock on the door. The groom had to knock on the door and ask for her, but he had to pay a bride price. Now, I don't understand where this part came from. He had to put the money in a shoe. <laughs> I'm like, that part doesn't quite come from the Bible. But I was so amazed at how much was paralleling these wedding traditions, you know. And so he would pay a price, and they would say, that's not enough, and they would close the door. <laughs> again and he'd have to pay more and and it was so interesting and then it was my husband who would take not the father of the bride which I thought was strange but it was my husband who then took the bride and took her all the way to the court they had to legally get married in the court first and then we went to get married in the church but it was so interesting because a lot of these things happened and there was a whole procession that then everybody now her family his family everybody joined the procession and they go to the place to get married it was so interesting but what is so amazing is that Jesus this picture is Jesus is using here to tell the parallel with the ten virgins that the people of Jesus's day they knew the wedding traditions and this picture that Jesus was teaching made sense to them when he was teaching about the ten virgins it totally made sense to them that five were foolish and five were wise yet the Lord wants us to understand so sometimes it's good for us to look historically so that we can learn so we could understand more what makes this so fascinating is it parallels the events to come part of this story that is told here this love story hasn't happened yet though we can read about it you see god the father is outside of time and he inspired his scribes to write down the events to come as if they had already happened and when you look at the prophetic um things uh, that 
talked about Jesus' life. There's no way that they could ever have happened the way they had if it wasn't a miracle. And so just his, his birth, his, his life, his everything. And because of that, we know that even the prophetic events that are still to come, we know they will come because it's been proven in the past that God is true. God is faithful, that God's word stands firm. And so we learn in Matthew 24:36 that no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So God the Father is the only one that knows the time that all of this is going to happen. And he's going to tell his son, okay, go get your bride. And when Jesus comes to get his bride, he's coming to get you if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, this part hasn't happened yet in history. And so we must always be ready. We must always be prepared because our bridegroom could come at any moment. And we don't want to be caught unaware when we hear the loud shout. Listen to what First Thessalonians four sixteen through 18 says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Isn't that cool? We're to encourage each other with these words that Christ, our bridegroom, is going to come for us because he loves us. He gave up all to wed us, and he's preparing a place for us. So in closing, are you ready or are you foolish? Which are you, foolish or wise? Are you using the days the way the Lord wants you to use them? Or are you wasting your days? We see in Matthew 25 that five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamp but did not take any oil with them. And so sometimes I've thought in reading this story, what's the big deal? So what if they didn't have oil? You know, at least they were there, right? How many people would say that? They were there, you know. So what's the big deal? And when you read the rest of the story, why didn't they get in? Why was the door shut, you know? That doesn't make sense sometimes when you look at it. The bottom line is this. God looks at our hearts. And you see, their hearts weren't ready. Their hearts weren't prepared. They didn't really care if the bridegroom came. And they were messing around with life. You see, five of them were wise. Those were prepared. And they were ready for their bridegroom to come at any moment. But there were others of us in that group, that group of five, that weren't ready. And they were just messing around with life. And so I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you living your life for God? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us know when the bridegroom's coming for us. And we need to be ready. And so what about us, ladies? Some of us are foolish and some of us are wise. And I've been in ministry now as a leadership in ministry since 19, since 1990s, but I've had my ministry since 1993. And I've watched women. I counsel. I'm a biblical counselor. That's what I've been doing for all these years. And I see women all the time. And some of you are ready. 
but a lot of you aren't. And you're coming to my office, and you're just go, what's going on? My life's all messed up. Da 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 da. And as I ask questions, I can tell they're just playing the game of life. They're not living and making decisions based on the truth of who they are and who they are in Christ. And so I want to encourage you today, if that's you, if it's speaking to you a little bit today, then hang with us the whole day. There's a lot more good messages. There's a lot of there's a message about how to get your heart right with God, how you can move from the camp of foolish to wise, and how you can start living your life based upon the choices. We're also going to talk about why we make foolish choices for our life because it's important for us to understand why. You know, I say knowledge is the beginning of freedom. And as we understand what's really taking place in the depths of our heart, we can be set free. And so I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on the Lord, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness and not to put on, not to keep that old self. And so anyhow, our time is almost up, so let's go ahead and close in prayer because we have so much more today. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, we give you the glory for everything. And Lord, you know each woman in this room. You know whether she's um, in the camp of the wise or in the camp of the foolish. And Lord, you know what's going on. So first I want to lift up those that are foolish. Lord, you know why each woman's been making the wrong choices that you don't want her to make. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help her heart be open to what you want to teach her today and that you would have the light bulb of understanding come on in her heart and her mind and that she could let go of some of the things you might be asking her to let go of so that she can move from the foolish camp to the wise camp. Because, Lord, you have so much more for her. You want to give her a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you want her to become all that you created her to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put a hope in her heart right now for the things that you want to teach her. Because understanding's coming. Not only understanding of why she's maybe made some of the choices she's made, but also, Lord, understanding to make decisions based upon who she is in Christ so that she can make those wise choices. And, Lord, I lift up the wise ones in the room also. Maybe they've been weary. Maybe the trials have been hard. Maybe they've been struggling. Lord, I pray that you would just be with them today and that you would be whispering your love to their hearts to help encourage them, to help strengthen them, to help equip them for the days ahead that you have for them. But, Lord, before any of us leave this room today, let all of us be wise women waiting for you, expecting your return at any moment. Lord, because we are your bride. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.